following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. And good morning in the overflow. And good morning in your house. Good morning. I hope you already got through with a finished breakfast so you won't be eating breakfast in this session. I hope you've at least brushed your teeth and used some scope and got ready to worship the Lord. Wasn't the praise group wonderful today, the praise singers, incredible. Hey, hey, uh, Luke wrote that song. That last song he sung, he wrote it. That's pretty good stuff. I remember when I was that age, somebody I'd preach, I think one of my best sermons, somebody say, son, just stay with it. You'll make a preacher soon. I want to tell Luke, he's going to be a songwriter. He already is. And what a joy, what a joy to be in the house today. I'm going to, I'm going to talk and teach and preach. Uh, probably some treaching. I'll probably be between teach and preach. I'll be treaching some. Uh, but I, I want to tell you a little story before I have you stand. I heard about a man that got a new boomerang for Christmas and went out to the park to use it. And, uh, and then three days later, he came to in a hospital. And uh, they said, do you remember what happened? He said, well, the last thing I remember, I think I threw my old boomerang away and turned away. That boomerang came back, hit him in the head. <laughs> That's the last thing I remember, throwing the old one away. Be careful how you throw old stuff out. It might come back and get you. God's good, isn't he? Hey, I walked over to the sanctuary today and uh, my preaching's not going to be real good, so I'm going to be real good right now. I went to the sanctuary today and we're eight weeks away. Eight weeks from today is December the 20th. Eight weeks from today, December the 20th. And it may, be, it may be a rough opening, but it's going to be an opening. And we're going to be in that other side. You may get some splinters in you. We're going to be on the other side. We're going to have Christmas in there. We're going to say Merry Christmas in there to Austin and to you and to this church. Wow. It's been a fun journey, folks. It really has. It's been a fun journey. Would you stand? I'm going to speak today on dreamers in the desert. Dreamers in the desert. It's a tough place to dream, isn't it? I heard about the man that wrote the Marine theme song. He was a, he was a, a pauper. I think that's what they called him back in that day, but he was a poet, a pauper poet. And he was trying to get some money from a guy, and the guy said, okay, he said, I hear you're a, you're, a, you're a poet. He said, can you write me a poem? And he said, yeah, I can. If you'll give me a dollar, I'll write you a song. And he gave him a Snickers wrapper, and he wrote from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. We'll fight our country's battle on the land and on the sea. Just to fight for right and freedom and to see our armor or, or, or something clean, we will fight to claim the title of the United States Marine. The man was a Marine. He wrote a song. It's the theme song today written on a snicker wrapper. You never know what's in the heart of people until you put people to the test. Testing always tells us what's on the inside of us. What's in you today? You ready to worship God? You ready to worship God? You know, I, I, I did a little research this week and, and, and I, I saw 25 of the most influential people that ever lived on this earth, and uh, I'm not going to give them all to you, but Martin Luther King, uh, Martin Luther made the list. Moses made the list. He is right ahead of Hitler. I didn't put Hitler on the list. Abraham Lincoln made the list. Martin Luther King made the list. William Shakespeare, Alexander the Great, Aristotle. Albert Einstein was number two, and guess who was number one? Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, it's always good 
to get to preach about Jesus because he's number one. He's number one. He ain't going to number. He's number one. He's number one. I'm excited about it. So I'm going to speak today on dreamers in the desert. Second Chronicles chapter 26. You'll be able to sit down after I read this. 16 years old was Uzziah. 16, 16 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 52 years till he was 68. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. He did, not, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God, prophet of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. As long as he sought the Lord. Moreover, Uzziah built towers, plural, in Jerusalem, at the corner gate, the valley gate, the turning of the wall, and fortified them. Also, he built towers in the desert and digged many wells, for he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains. He was a husband, husbandman, and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved husbandry. He loved to raise stuff. He loved to grow things. He loved to raise animals that would feed people. He was the people's king. So I'm speaking today, dreamers in the desert. God bless you. You may be seated. You're awesome people. Let's roll with it, all right? Everybody say grow. grow. Everybody say growth. growth. Everybody say, I want that in my life. Jesus said the earth produces of itself. First the stalk, then the head, and then the full grain. Everybody say the stalk, the head, and the full grain. It's growth. I love to speak about growth because living things grow. There's a tree that you can buy, plant in the ground, and the first year it does not move. The second year it doesn't grow. The third year, the fourth year. But in the fifth year it will grow six to eight feet. All of a sudden it just springs up. Now inside it's been saying, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing. But the, the roots and the trunk says, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. And all of a sudden it springs up. I've known basketball players that played in high school at 5'10 and played in the pros at 6'8. Dennis Rodman was six feet one, two inches tall in college and became a six foot eight terror on the boards. He out rebounded seven footers. It's an amazing thing what growth can do in our life. I love to speak about growth, I really do. Scientists have been, not been able to create a scientific seed and make it grow because growth is a mystery. Uzziah was into growth. Things that were not stagnant, not stagnated. I want to tell you a little funny story. Two men were lost in the woods one day. One was named Herman. His first name wasn't Tom, by the way, and Elmer. You mind if I do this? Thank you. That's all I'm going to do. God bless the Baptist. And Herman said, when you're lost in the woods, you're supposed to shoot three times in the air, wait, and help will come. So they shot three times and no help came. And they shot three more times and still no help. Finally, Herman looked at Elmer and said, we need to shoot at least one more time. And Elmer said, help better be on the way. I only have three arrows left. I told the first service y'all would laugh at that. Boy, they hadn't had their coffee yet when I preached to them. You know, some folks hear the preaching but still have the wrong packaging. 
and the wrong perception when they hear the word, fitly spoken. Teacher spoke to his Bible study class and said, if you were stranded on a deserted island and could choose five books to take with you, which books would you choose? The answers were interesting. Some said Shakespeare, some said Henry James, they made the list. C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity and the Chronicles of Narnia made the list. J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and William Bennett's The Book of Virtues. Well, one guy said he would take the Microsoft Windows manual because he said with no computer to contradict it, he reasoned the manual might make sense. That's funny. Others said certain volumes of the encyclopedia or their scrapbook or maybe their high school yearbook, perhaps something that they journaled. Of course, the Bible was at the top of the list, but a most unique answer came from a man named Pink. Pink was 50 years old, worked as a carpenter and was still holding fast to the 70s. He had long blonde hair with hints of gray and he wore it in a ponytail. He never wore anything but shorts and sandals and a t-shirt. That included Sunday morning in the Sunday school class. He somehow managed to maintain three days growth of a beard stubble all the time and he had a way of looking at life that cut through the dross and got to the heart of the matter. And when it was his turn, he said in his raspy voice, if I was stranded on an island, I would take only one book. Of course, everyone assumed it was going to be the Bible. Then he said the only book I would need would be the Time Life Do-It-Yourself Guide to Basic Shipbuilding. <laughs> he said, get me off that island. <laughs> you know, it's true that if a man is convicted of a wrong in a court of law and does not live to face the penalty of the law, when he dies, all court charges are dropped. And he will never be sentenced. A dead man will never be sentenced. Please hear me today, precious people, please hear me. When we die to repentance, when we have repentant hearts, the devil does not know what to do with the evidence he has against us. Angels rejoice, heaven's happy, and hell is in torment, and the soul is relieved. There's nothing like living a repentant heart. Say amen to that. I love a church that preaches and lives repentant hearts. I love a family also that can forgive. This church has that capacity. Grace is available here. I love to preach to people that will not cast judgment on lives that are trying, like Herman and Elmer, to get out of the woods, or Pink to get off the island. There's a lot of people trying to get out and off of things in their life. Thank God for a church where grace abounds. Because when sin does abound, grace does much more abound. Aren't you happy that grace is given a chance here and church is an opportunity to find the God that you want in your life? It's my purpose to turn your life and this church into a productive and overcoming, worshiping place where someone has the opportunity to receive the Lord in any service that we ever have here. I love people finding Jesus I loved our baptismal service of 88 several weeks ago now. And where those who receive life from the Lord in their life are discipled and they become productive members of this local church. This is our mission.
You know, Simon spoke of growth. Simon Peter in his epistle spoke of growth from one station to another, from one precept to another because he talked about life being about growth. And Simon was a man that became Peter. He left being a reed and became a rock. And he writes in his second epistle, chapter one, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge, and to your knowledge self-control, and to your self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love, love. You can't just stop with faith. You gotta continue to grow. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say life, life. is about growth. Now before I go any further, Annie Daigle had a birthday. She's our youth minister, young adult minister's wife, Philip Daigle, and he's not here to clap for her, but I want us all to clap for Miss Annie sitting right here. Sitting right here. Your love, kid. Back to the word. That wasn't a comedy. That's, that's a good story right there. There are three aspects, folks, of living for God. There's the spiritual aspect. There's the mental aspect. And there's the practical aspect. Everybody say spiritual. spiritual. Say mental. mental. And say practical. practical. I think sometimes the fulcrum, the mental part of it, robs us of our spiritual and our practical ways of living sometimes. But I think that we need to get a hold of this in the right phrase, in the right format. Everybody say spiritual. spiritual. Everybody say mental. mental. Everybody say practical. practical. Or if I can say it another way, the way you worship, the way you think, and the way you act. Everybody say worship. worship. Everybody say think, think. and act. So I'm, I'm talking about growing here today. I'm talking about growing. I remember when I was 25 years old, I, I took my first church. I didn't even know how to spell pastor. I really didn't. I probably spelled it P-A-S-T-U-R-E because I was put out to pasture. <laughs> but I pastored a church in South Dallas and, and uh, boy, it was something else. I, in fact, I'm gonna write it in my memoirs one day. I'm gonna write this one day. So help me God, I'm gonna write this and I'm gonna, I'm gonna change the name to protect the guilty. <laughs> But I'm going to write this. It was everything that I ever thought I would ever face in life, I faced it in that church in seven years. Everything I ever thought that I would ever run into, everything I thought that it would ever upset me, overthrow me, make me stop, make me give up, make me surrender, I met it in that church. And now looking back some 50 years later, looking back at that, seeing that 40 years ago, I realized that God had me in a growth pattern that the things that worried me so hard then, when I was 27 years old, I had pains in my chest. I thought I was having heart trouble. Went to a doctor and he said, son, you're just overwhelmed. He said, you're taking too much on you. I said, sir, I just have 75, 80 people. He said, you got 75, 80 people sitting on your chest and you can't live that way. You've got to, you've got to dismiss some things. You've got to believe that God, he was a Christian, that God is bigger than anything that you're up against. And at 27 years old, I started learning some things about life and I look back now and I laugh about the fact that a mafia member was in my church wearing a gun. And now everybody carries guns. See how I'm by that? He came to me one day and I said, 
Mr. Ardell, why do you have that gun? It's big, he said, for you. I said, sir, I ain't done anything to you. He said, no, 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 no. He said, when I found Jesus, they don't like me knowing Jesus. They're going to come and get me, and when they come get me, they want to take you out. I said, I'm going to protect you. I'll die in the hell, in the hell storm of the bullets, but I'm going to protect you. I said, well, praise God. Let's get this thing going. You know, it's amazing how you can grow in life. You can literally grow in life. And the things that used to be a bummer are now, hallelujah, anyhow. Uzziah was awesome. He's 16 years old. His life showed promise. He had strengths. He was a godly young man. He became a dominant figure. He became a creative builder, and he was a mighty warrior. He was a five-tool king. Yet his fall was instant because pride crept into his heart when he was an older man. He disregarded God's servants. His anger led him to seclusion. The Lord smote him. His exit was disgraceful. He became a leper. It hit him right here in the head. But it's not my desire today to teach or preach negative, but to inspire someone to take on the attitude of this man while he was in his youth and did that which was right in the sight of God when the kingdom of Judah was his. And he did that which was right. Can I say when he had a repentant heart? I want you to raise your hand right now all across this building and say, God, keep a heart of repentance in me. Amen. Thank you very much. You need to say that. A heart that cried out for the Lord. I wish to inspire you today. I want to motivate you to make the changes, the sacrifices, and establish the disciplines necessary to be more effective in your life. Life has to be a process of growing. It must be a growing process. Say it. Life must be a growing process. You have to grow. So you know what Uzziah did? He built towers. He built towers when he was right. When he was right, he dug wells. When he was right, he loved growth. He was into husbandry. I must be a tower builder. I must be a well digger. And I must want to grow in my life. I just, don't, I, just, I just don't think we can pastor people in this age, in this time, that 25 years ago you found Jesus and you're still fighting the same things now with the same angst that you fought 25 years ago. I think somewhere you gotta get a hall pass and get to the next level and go to the next level, the next level, and you gotta look at it and say, uh-uh, not today, Satan. You're not gonna come at me with the same tricks that got me 25 years ago. I'm growing in God and I'm gonna get bigger. Amen. Or as a little boy that hadn't been seen by his kinfolks for about 10 years, they came to see him at a family reunion. And they looked at him and said, whoa, you've grown up. How did you get so big? Here was his answer. He said, well, God made me and I did the rest myself. <laughs> Somewhere in your life, you gotta say, I'm gonna get bigger than this. I'm gonna grow. Uzziah was a military man, a genius, as well as an agricultural genius. His first strategy was to build towers in four different places. I'm gonna talk about those towers today. If you want some refrigerator material, this is refrigerator material. A tower is a testimony of what God can do. A tower represents three things. Everybody say vision. Everybody say provision. In other words, things you can store in a silo, in a tower. And everybody say protection. Everybody say the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run into it and are safe. Towers are awesome. Vision is the ability to see what can be done through God's power. Provision is the ability to provide 
food and sustenance for us in our daily life. And protection is the ability to create safety for people. As pastor of this congregation, I must be a tower builder. I must. I must preach vision. For without it, people perish. That literally means they take off all restraints and nothing is outside the limits of their life. As a child of God, you must join me in building the towers for your family. I'm not talking about going out Noah and starting building an ark today and building a literal tower, but you gotta build towers in your life. You gotta build something big enough that hell says they mean business. You know, when the Tower of Babel was being built, God came down and said they're gonna do what they had set their mind to do and he had to dis, dislodge their language and change their language and they, they separated because they couldn't understand. He said because they will do what they set their mind to do. Towers gets God's attention. It'll get hell's attention. We need to be tower builders. Come on now. We need to be tower builders. Four places towers were built. The first place that he built a tower was at the corner gate. Now let's talk about that. This represents my spirituality. This represents my worship, the corner gate. My first aspect of living for God is I've got to get my worship right. Say amen. In other words, I don't need to be an entitled Longhorn fan that goes and sits in the seat and waits till something happens before I give him a golf clap. I need to come into his presence with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. I need to do that. I need to walk in here because he is God. He is Lord of my life. And I need to praise him before any music is started, before a preacher ever stands up. I need to have worship living inside of me. I need to have praise living inside of me. I need to have more than just me showing up. I need to show up grateful for what God has done in my life. Oh, help me preach somebody. I remember when Patty and I were pastoring in Louisiana before we came to Austin, I pastored three churches for a total of, of uh, let's see, 40 years now. Yeah, 40 years. I've been, I've been pastor 40 years of my 50. I served, it, I served in, a, in an official position and I also evangelized five years. That's my 50 years. So I'm, I'm trying to think how to all put it. Yeah, that's right. We built a home in Louisiana. And the first time I ever heard this phrase in my life, I heard this phrase, the, the man that was building the house said, Pastor, I'm gonna make your house extra strong. I said, really? He said, yeah. So what you gonna do? He said, I'm gonna coin the corners. I said, what? I never heard that. I thought, are you gonna put quarters on the corners? Are you gonna put $50 bills, maybe dollar bills? I don't know, coin the corners? What do you mean by that? He said, I'm gonna put extra wood on the corners. I'm gonna stack it so that the corners, which are the, 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 the pinpoint part of the strength of the house will be strong when a wind comes and it'll hold the house against even stronger winds than a normal house being built. And you know what, folks? I got to thinking about that. When, 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 when we look at the corner of our life and the corners of our gate, the gate corner, the gate at the corner, it's an amazing thing because the Bible said the stone that the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. So when you build a tower in the corner gate, what you're doing is you're meeting the head of the corner 
and you're meeting Christ every day and you're giving him praise and you're giving him honor and you wake up every morning before you put anything in your cup of coffee, before you get any kind of thing to help you get excited, you get excited because Jesus Christ is Lord. You get excited because he's live. Now let me, let me, let me preach. I'm, I, this is not political. But nine days from now, somebody's going to be president. But I want to tell you something. You listen to this pastor. Jesus is still going to be Lord. No, you, some, of you, some of you say, well, I tell you what, if my, my candidate don't get in the office and I don't know if I, no, you're not going to do that. Because whoever gets in that office is not who you serve. Who you serve is Jesus Christ. Who you worship is the God Almighty. Come on, somebody, help me preach. You need to meet Jesus at the corner every morning. Say, I'm gonna coin my corners with you. I don't want my house to blow down. I don't want my house to be in disarray. I want to live for you because I worship you. You know, corners represent boundaries. It's restrictions, it's limits. We live in a world with no boundaries, no limits, no do anything you feel like. If it feels good, you do it. And corners also represent strength. So it's boundaries and it's strength. We must believe that Jesus is my Lord. He loves me. He's my Savior. I'm going to build a tower at the corner gate. Hell, get your hands off of me. I'm a worshiper. I'm a worshiper. If any man be a worshiper, him God heareth. John 9, 31. You need to be a worshiper. That's where you need to build your first tower. You need to be spiritually right in your worship. Clap your hands all over the house right now. Uzziah built the second tower in the valley gate. In the valley gate. This represents my mental aspect. It's how I think. And I call it the fulcrum of the spiritual versus how we act. This is my, how I think. Satan loves to attack us right here. Romans 12 and 2 said, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may know what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Amen. The battle is right here, folks. It's never here. It's right here. And hell wants you to think that depression's going to rule and oppression's going to come and possession will come and hopelessness will be prevalent in your life before all this is done. And we've gone seven to eight months through this pandemic and some people are saying, dear God, will I ever get back to normal? The way to get back to normal is to build you a tower at the corner gate and to build you a tower at the valley gate. Can I tell you something, folks? The word valley is not a New Testament word. It's mentioned one time. And the time it's mentioned, the Bible said, the valley shall be exalted. You hear me, when Jesus comes into your life, you don't have to live in valleys and mountaintops and valleys and mountaintops. You can step out and say, I'm all right here, God. I got it all together. The devil's not going to defeat my mind. He's not going to take my possessions. He's not going to take what I believe in. I still believe that you're my God. I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to live in a valley. I'm going to build a tower there. We need to build a tower in the valley. I, I just feel like I put this in my notes and I've never done this. I've never done this in so many years of preaching, but I just want to quote a little Psalms to you today. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley 
of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. You know what that's for? To get your mind right. Come on, somebody. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'm gonna dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Get that in your mind. If you read Psalms 23 every day, get that in your mind and say, this is who I am. I'm gonna meet him at the corner, down on the corner, out in the street, me and Jesus over there. We just can't be beat. Ah, I just thought of that. I just thought of that. And go build you a tower in the valley gate and say, I'm coming out of this. I'm not gonna live in this. I'm not gonna walk in this. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. There was a battle. Jehoshaphat took his people into a battle in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and they went out praising the Lord. And they had a battle in this valley. And the Bible said in verse 26 of chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles that they renamed that valley the valley of Barakah, which means the valley of of blessing, not the valley of battle, but the valley of blessing. Let every valley that you walk into and every problem that you come up against, let it be a blessing in your life and not the battle of your life. I'm trying to help somebody today. You gotta build a, you gotta build a tower at the valley gate. And the third place he built a, a tower was at the turning of the wall. Everybody say the turning of the wall. This is the aspect of practical living. It's how I act. This tower represents the changes that come into life, the unwanted issues, the knocks on the door that don't have to be answered. They just come right on in. The family problems, the loss of health, the loss of loved ones, society changes. There's, there's, there's a study that psychologists and psychiatrists do called Life Change Units, LCUs. And they say if a person has three of them at one time, he probably will collapse. He'll probably go under. Let me tell you something. Our God is greater than any LCU in your life. Loss of family, divorce, separation, sickness, loss of job, loss of your children. Those are all LCUs and you can't handle more than three of them at one time. But I know a God that is able to help us through any situation. And I'm gonna build a tower at the turning of my wall. It doesn't matter what comes against me. It doesn't matter what comes my way. I'm gonna live for him. I'm gonna live for him. I'm coming out of this thing. You know, Peter gets out of prison in, in Acts chapter 12. This is so powerful to me. He gets out of prison and he's on the street. Angel leads him out past the iron door. And the Bible said in verse 11 of chapter 12, he overcame the expectation of the people, of the Jews. He overcame it. In other words, they thought when Pete was in this situation, he's just gonna stay in this situation. He's gonna die there because Herod had planned to kill him after Easter. He was gonna die there. But what hell put you in, God can take you out of. Now listen to me. I wanna tell you something. What hell can put on you in one day doesn't take a lifetime for God to get you out of. If hell can put something on you in one day, I know a God in one day can take you out of that. You just gotta believe it. You gotta believe it. You gotta trust it. And you have to build a tower at the turning of the wall. Whatever comes, whatever happens, I'm going through. I'm gonna rise above the expectation of the people. I'm going through. I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna get out of this. I'm not going back to this. Drugs, you've handled me for the last time. Alcohol, you've ruined my life. I'm not going back to it. I'm coming out of it. 
I'm going to build a tower that says this is what I am and who I am and who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Clap your hands and rejoice to that. Amen. I read about a I read about a weight loss guru. I need to hurry. I need to hurry because I'm a pastor that's on time. I guess everybody else took a little longer today. <laughs> a weight loss guru that introduced a man named Michael and he had a lifetime of extreme obesity. He weighed as much as 900 pounds. He lost over 700 of it, had reached down to 180 pounds and he was a new man. He was able to do things for the first time he was never able to do, go places he had never gone. And in an interview, he said he was enjoying life much more than he had dreamed possible, having overcome such tremendous obstacles. He seemed to have a bright and happy future ahead of him. He had taken control of his life in a dramatic way, but the change was short-lived. He began overeating again, put his weight back on, even more weight than he had before. Finally could not get out of bed, lost his business. Had, had, he had made a tremendous change could not keep the change. You need to build a tower at the turning of the wall and say, I'm not going back to the world. I will be saved. As Peter walked the streets and overcame the expectation, I put in my notes today, I double dog dare you to prove people wrong about your relationship with Jesus Christ. I double dog dare you. I just dare you. You used to double dog bear, dare me, I'd do anything, double dog. <laughs> I'm double dog daring you folks to walk with God. No matter what happens nine days from now, you walk with God. Your kingdom is not of this world, it's of the world to come. Walk with God, live for God, get your worship in order, learn the valley experiences, get yourself at the turning of the wall. Let ever, anything that wants to come at you say, come on, because I want to tell you something that you never should forget. Everything here is temporal, everything we're going to is eternal. Amen. And the temporal cannot override the eternal. Amen. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands real big on that. What we have is bigger than anything than what we're going to face. And then the fourth place he built, I've got one minute and 20 seconds to get this point across. He built towers, plural. Everybody say towers. towers. In the desert. In the desert. This is where God is not. It's a time where he seems to be hiding. Moments when you can't locate him. So what you going to do in the desert? The desert's a barren place. This is what I call, you ready for this, hardcore Christianity. It's living for God just because. Just because. Can anybody live? You know, my dad used to have a great line. I'd say, Dad, can I go somewhere? He said, no, you can't, son. I said, why? He said, just because. <laughs> because why? Because. Just because. Because why? And after about 28 times, he said, because I said so. I want to tell you something. Some of us need to get in that frame of reference where we are all gristle and hell can't chew on us any longer because the more he chews, the bigger we get. You know what I'm saying? The Hebrew boys looked at the king in Babylon and said, oh king, we be not careful to answer you. But it does not matter if our God does or not. We know he is able. 
This is what you call growth. These were teenage boys. Our God is able, and if he doesn't come to us in this desert called the fire furnace, we're gonna do the right thing in the fire. We're gonna go in worshiping, we're gonna go in thinking right, and we're gonna act right in the fire. And when they did those things, Nebuchadnezzar looked in and said, I think I see somebody else in that fire. <laughs> the Hebrew boys never saw who was with them, but the world saw who was walking with them. I'm here to tell you, when you get this just because mindset, it does not matter what comes against you. I'm gonna live for God just because. Oh, somebody help me preach. Woo, man, hallelujah. I'm just gonna love him. I'm gonna live for him. I'm gonna walk with him because I said so. That's why one has to strike first when the desert is in your life. You can't let the enemy strike. You've got to strike first when you're in the desert. But you've got to build a tower. See, Uzziah's military prowess was unbelievable. He took the city of Gath and Jabnid and Ashdod. And idol gods lived there. He took them down before they ever had a chance to attack him. He was a bad man. But he understood desert warfare. When you get in that place where hell says, God don't care. Hell says, do whatever you want. Say, uh-uh, that ain't gonna happen. I'm living for God just because. I'm gonna keep doing the right thing just because. I'm gonna keep walking right just because. I'm gonna keep going to church and hearing the word and worshiping and growing in God just because. It's a long way from the corner gate. It's a long way from the valley gate. It's a long way from the turning of the wall to be out there in the desert, but you can still dream in the desert. You can still dream in the desert. That's where the crops are planted. That's where the cows are fed. You can still dream in the desert, and God will honor your dreams in the desert. Some of you said, Pastor, I think that's where we've been living here lately. But you hear me. When nothing's moving, when nothing's shaking, when nothing is working, when God is silent, say it with me. He is still my God. Amen. Randy, you'll help me. Hence my dream will survive in the desert. I will, be, I will have the God of heaven in my desert. My vision will remain intact. My provision will be constant and my protection will be in place. I want to close today with a beautiful story about a man that was very weak and sickly for a long time in his life. And one day, just in the middle of the day, he dropped off to sleep and he had a vision. He had this vision and he awoke, but he still, the vision was still there. And he had a vision that, that the Lord came to him, told him, I want you to go outside and there's a big boulder in the front of your yard and I want you to push on that boulder eight hours a day for three weeks. And so the man gets up with the vision and he goes outside and he sees this boulder, huge boulder. And he's a weak man. He don't have a lot of muscle tissue and he's, he, just, he just don't know if he can do it or not. And he starts pushing on that boulder. And the more he pushes, he screams and hollers and said, I can't move it, God, I can't move it. And the next day he comes out and pushes it again. The next day he comes out and pushes it again. And after the first week, he takes a measuring tape and sees if he's moved it. He hadn't moved it a, a nickel. Comes out the next week, seven days, and does it again for eight hours a day. Third week, 
goes back inside after that third week and says, God, I'm a failure. And God shows up again in a vision. And he says, how are you a failure? He said, God, I didn't move that boulder one inch. And God said, how do you feel? He said, well, God, I feel good. I got some muscle mass. I, I've built something up in me. That's growth. That's growth. And then God taps him on the shoulder and said, son, I didn't tell you to move that boulder. I told you to go push on that boulder. There's some things in life, folks, that are never going to go away. They're never going to go away. They're going to be right here. They're going to be in front of you. But you've got to keep pushing on the boulder and get your strength because there's power in the tower of a desert walk with God. You can have a walk with God when you don't know where to find him. Job said, I looked for him on the right, on the left, before me, behind me. I couldn't find him. But then he said this, but he knows the path that I take. And when he's tried me, I shall come forth as gold. You hear me today. today. God's got something for you. If you'll just build some towers of worship. Come on, some towers of right thinking. Some towers of practice. And some towers in your life when you're just dried up. Just keep building. It's called growth. Would you stand? I love you. So glad to see you again today, young man. Come here and shake my hand. So glad to have you. I love your spirit. I love your spirit. Good to have you. Let, raise your hands all over the house. Raise your hands. Dear Father, I bless this congregation. I bless the people in the foyer. I bless the lobby crowd today. I bless the houses today. God, let us grow. Let us grow. Let us love husbandry. Let us love growth. Let us love things that grow. We want to grow, God. We want to grow in favor. We want to grow in stature. We want to grow. We need growth in our life. We need it in our life. Bless us, God. Help us, God. We know that some things are hard to move, but maybe they're not supposed to move. Maybe they're supposed to be there so we can always know we can trust in God. Bless these precious people. I love them with everything that's in me. And God, eight Sundays from today, what was a little A-frame building 30 years ago, we have grown to a 1,700-seat auditorium next door. We'll have multiple services, God, after this pandemic is over. What a joy. Hallelujah. I'm honored to preach about you today, Lord. I'm dreaming in my desert. I'm dreaming during this pandemic. I'm still dreaming. And I love you, Jesus. I love you. Bless our congregation. Bless this church in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Everybody say, Pastor. I'm growing. I'm going to continue to grow in the name of the Lord. Wednesday night, we'll be online. We'll see you next Sunday. I love you. God bless. God bless. Pastor will be preaching next Sunday to you. I love you now. Bless you now.